0: Welcome to Rams Up, a Los Angeles Rams podcast. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We cover other SoCal sports news of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Back, Ram fans, to Rams Up, your Los Angeles Rams podcast. Back for episode 18 of season two. Got a couple cool segments this episode. We are going to get you acquainted with Rams' new wide receiver, Allen Robinson. Kind of glossed over that addition, got buried in researching the draft and a bunch of other things. So, we're going to bounce back and revisit this acquisition. Get everyone caught up on our newest wide receiver, Allen Robinson. And we also have a fun segment, my coaching rankings, NFL coaching rankings. I've seen some other ratings out there. Mine's going to be a little bit different, but it should be a lot of fun as well. Seems like I've been gone a while. I've actually only been gone a week. Took a vacation. I was in Sedona, Arizona, and it was really interesting. I'm very cognizant, very aware of jerseys and shirts and hats of the NFL teams that I see when I'm out and about. And I'll have to tell you, it's kind of interesting. In my six days in Sedona, I saw zero 49er hats and jerseys, saw a couple of cowboy hats, maybe one cowboy hat in one jersey, saw an Arizona Cardinal license plate frame, a handful of those actually, I saw two Los Angeles Rams Super Bowl victory shirts, and I also was approached by two Angelinos. I was wearing my Los Angeles Rams hat, and they approached me, and we talked Rams football for about 10 minutes. So really interesting. I'm not necessarily convinced that there's an upswing in Ram support. I think there is actually, but I'm starting to think that we have more than the four fans a lot of folks think we have. My count is up to at least nine that I know of. But it was interesting on a road trip like that to notice and see some support for our Los Angeles Rams. Before we get to our two main segments, get some other stuff out of the way here. Those Aaron Donald rumors circulating again that he's going to retire if he doesn't get the right contract. That's all I'm going to say about that. And I'm also just going to touch on this really strange situation that happened with the Rams. They released five undrafted free agents. Roger Carter, TJ Carter, Daniel Isom, Lawrence McCutcheon. Oops, sorry, Lance McCutcheon. And the linebacker Andres Hughes-Murray, dare I say. And then they come back the next day and re-sign four of them. I know some of the Ram insiders are trying to figure it out. We can only guess. I've asked around, poked around. I have no answer. I just wonder if it's one of two things. The Rams just screwed up. Or perhaps they decided after that rookie minicamp that they need to lower the number on these guys for cat purposes, perhaps. Who knows? But strange situation. Hopefully we'll find out, get to the root of this. Just really curious what happened here. I'm sorry, I don't have an answer. I saw our friend Pete Prisco regraded the 2019 draft for all teams, and the Rams, he had originally given them a B, upgraded that to an A. And if you look at this, it really was quite a draft. Taylor Rapp, Nick Scott, Greg Gaines, David Long, Daryl Henderson, David Edwards, Bobby Evans. No superstars here, but there are some solid contributors to this Rams effort namely Gaines, Scott, and Long. David Edwards, a starting guard, and Henderson. If we're going to call him a backup running back, I'm okay with that, but he's a darn good one. And like I say, Briscoe gave the Rams a B originally and upgraded to an A, and that's fair, I think. Really good draft for the Rams. I know there are a lot of Ram fans that think They need to sign an edge guy. There's a few good ones out there. One less, though. Melvin Ingram signed with the Dolphins. I never felt that was a big need for the Rams. I thought they were in pretty good shape. Before Von Miller came aboard, he certainly helped and improved that position. That group of edge rushers, no doubt about it. But we really weren't that bad off to begin with. We also lost Oko, but Justin Hollins, Chris Garrett, Terrell Lewis... And the rookie, Daniel Hardy, I think between all of them, they're going to get it done. Playing opposite of and behind Leonard Floyd. Getting off the NFL for a second here, Jordan Addison transfers to USC. All-American wide receiver gives the Trojans a game changer. The Trojans, by some accounts, are the number one transfer class in the nation. Lincoln Riley brought along quarterback Caleb Williams and receiver Mario Williams from Oklahoma. They have also added running back Travis Dye from Oregon, receiver Brendan Rice from Colorado, and offensive tackle Bobby Haskins from Virginia. This NIL situation, and combined with the transfer portal that now exists, teams like the Trojans are benefiting. Hey, and maybe the NBA is listening to me. Maybe they're listening to this podcast. Is it possible? I had a pet peeve about transition fouls, and they are changing that rule. And I also talked about adding the midseason tournament, how that might happen, and it looks like it's getting closer to happening as early as 2023. That would be so much fun. And real briefly on the Dodgers, what a roll they are on. Had their seven-game winning streak broken in Philadelphia. Gave up a run in the bottom of the ninth, descended into extra innings, scored a run in the top of the 10th, and then a Max Muncie two-run error ended that game. But other than that, Dodgers have been a machine lately. I'm still really concerned about the contributions, the offensive contributions of Justin Turner, Max Muncy, and Cody Bellinger. Can they beat their top competition head-to-head in the playoffs, especially with these guys batting around 200 I don't know. they got some young guys that are starting to show up, though. Gavin Lux has been playing very well. Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman, the real deal. And Mookie Betts is on a roll now, too. But still, long-term, I don't know, not thrilled with how Muncie, Justin Turner, and Bellinger have looked so far. And by the way, we are going to come back in the next week or two, hopefully, with a segment on the Dodgers, as I say in the opening We are mostly about the Rams, but we will touch on SoCal Sports, Dodgers, Lakers, USC, UCLA, whatever makes sense. Depends on what's happening. Kind of slow time in the NFL. So we will probably be including a Dodger segment very soon. And that will obviously be a great candidate for our YouTube channel. And by the way, that's doing very well. We appreciate all the subscriptions making headway there. That's something we'll be doing more and more often moving forward. So keep an eye out for our videos that we'll be dropping. We'll be back in a second talking all things Allen Robinson. Follow that up with our NFL coach rankings. The NBA playoff action is non-stop at DraftKings Sportsbook. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets. Like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payroll. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. One thing we neglected to do here at Rams Up was give the appropriate amount of attention to the free agent signing of Allen Robinson. Now, obviously, we mentioned it in passing, and then the draft was upon us, and then the schedule release, and I thought, hey, you know what? We need to take a closer look at this signing and what it means for the Rams. Let's spend a little bit of time getting to know Allen Robinson. Now, when the Rams signed him, I have to admit, I really didn't know a whole lot about him. I knew he was drafted by the Jags and then signed by the Bears as a free agent. I know he's been a very successful wide receiver, put up some good stats, and is recognized as one of the better wide receivers in the league. And I knew he was a big wide receiver, but other than that, didn't know a lot of details. So I'm going to share with you everything I've learned about him in the last week. He's 6'2", 220, comes out of Michigan. he led St. Mary's Prep to the Division Three state championship game, which they lost. He was a three-star recruit coming out of high school. Got offers from Minnesota, Buffalo, and Toledo, but chose Penn State. Played three years there. His sophomore and junior year, pretty prolific. 2,450 yards and 17 TDs. Finished his collegiate career with the second-most receptions, third-most receiving yards, and fifth most receiving touchdowns in Penn State history. And that's a blue-blood school there when it comes to football. No small accomplishment. Got lots of recognition. Basically, a 2013 Consensus All-American. And after his junior year, he declared for the NFL draft. His scouting report coming out of college. Prototypical, all-around size for an NFL receiver. Great frame. Polished route runner. That's good to know. Quick off the line of scrimmage, but not good deep speed. Good footwork, reliable and strong hands, good leaping ability. Doesn't create space after the catch, though. Not necessarily great with the ball in his hands after the catch. And a little concerning, mediocre effort in blocking. So he's drafted by the Jags in the second round of the 2014 draft, number 61 overall. The Jaguars actually traded up to grab him. They they gave the 49ers the 70th and 150th picks. The Niners proceeded to draft center Marcus Martin out of USC and Aaron Lynch, a defensive end out of South Florida, neither of whom made their mark in the NFL, and they are both out of the league. By the way, the Rams drafted LaMarcus Joyner, picks before Robinson was selected by the Jags. This was a great year for wide receivers in the draft. Who went ahead of Robinson? How about this? Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, OBJ, and Brandon Cooks, followed by Kelvin Benjamin, Marquise Lee, Jordan Matthews, and Paul Richardson, and then Devontae Adams, all taken ahead of Robinson. Interestingly, three of those top four wide receivers taken, played for the Rams, Sammy Watkins, OBJ, and Brandon Cooks. His rookie year for the Jags, 548 yards and two TDs. His breakout year, 2015, 1,400 yards and 14 TDs. Tied for the league lead in receiving touchdowns. six in the league in yardage, 50 yards behind OBJ. Jags went to 5-11. Blake Bortles was the Jags quarterback, by the way, that year. And Robinson was named to the Pro Bowl. A little bit of a drop-off in 2016, 883 yards and six TDs. This is the year Jalen Ramsey joined the Jags as a rookie defensive back. Jags went 3-13 and and coach Gus Bradley was fired before the end of the year. 2017, Robinson tore his ACL in week one and missed the rest of the season and became a free agent. 2018, signed a three-year $42 million contract with the Bears. Things started out reasonably well with the Bears. 2018, 754 yards and 4 TDs. 2019, 1,147 yards and 7 TDs. Very similar the following year in 2020, 1,250 yards and 6 TDs. And then the Bears franchise tag Robinson, and this is where it gets weird. Things go a little sideways. The Bears start to phase Robinson out of their offense. At least that's what it seemed like to a lot of Bears fans. Used him very strangely, not playing to his strengths, that's for sure. And he finishes with just 410 yards and one TD. Now he only played in 12 games, but still, this is a significant reduction. He had five games where he was targeted four times or less. And this is one of the better wide receivers in the league. It just did not make a lot of sense to Bears fans. In 2019 and 2020, he was targeted 154 and 151 times, respectively. In 2021, just 61 targets. And Robinson responded to a tweet about this and said, yeah, kind of true. So he clearly wasn't happy with how the Bears used him. At this point in his career, 495 receptions, 6,409 yards and 40 TDs. And how has he done against the Rams? Well, he hasn't done a whole lot, actually. He missed that Rams-Jags game in 2017. He had the ACL injury. In 2018, the Bears beat the Rams 15-6. Robinson had five catches for 42 yards. This was the game where the Bears were credited with figuring out how to slow down that Rams offense. A game plan that was... Somewhat plagiarized by the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Mitch Trubisky was the quarterback in this game, as he was in the 2019 game, where the Rams won 17-7. Robinson, four catches for 15 yards. Trubisky was pulled for Chase Daniels in that game. In 2020, another Rams win 24-10. to Robinson, four catches in 70 yards. 42 of those came on one play. Nick Foles was the quarterback in this game. And in 2021... Last year, the Rams 34-14, to Robinson six catches for 35 yards. Andy Dalton pulled for Justin Fields in that game. So the running theme here, you've all heard this before, Robinson has had an excellent career playing for, catching passes from Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, a little bit of Justin Fields, and Chase Daniels. Get the idea here. How excited must he be to have Matthew Stafford chucking him balls downfield rather than these previous guys? So the one thing I will say about... so, So the takeaway for me on Robinson is he is not like some of the other receivers we've had in the recent past, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods especially. He is not a guy that's going to be in the jet sweep game or taking screen passes. He's only had three rushes in his career for 10 yards He adds a different dimension to this offense, so he's going to be a great complement to Cooper Cup. Rams can still line him up anywhere. He's a good route runner. I love this addition. But don't expect him to be used like the Rams have used some of these other guys. I think almost as excited as Robinson is to be catching passes from Matthew Stafford in plays designed by Sean McVay, I'm equally excited at the potential he has in this offense and what he brings to the table for the Rams. I'm going to close this out with a fearsome four facts that you probably didn't know about Allen Robinson. Fearsome fun fact number one, he holds the Jags record, tied with Leonard Fournette for the longest play from scrimmage, 90 yards. Fearsome fun fact number two, he appeared in a season six episode of the television series Ink Master. A tattoo competition show. A show that I have never seen and never will. Not a tattoo guy here. Here's some fun fact number three. I kind of already hinted at this. He has been compared to Anquan Bolden. Very similar in size. Bolden played at 220 pounds, as does Robinson. Bolden one inch shorter. Robinson 6'2", Bolden 6'1". Here's some fun fact number four. Even though he entered the league three years before Cooper Cup, he is actually two months younger than the Rams' Super Bowl MVP wide receiver. Well, hopefully we're all caught up on Allen Robinson now, what he brings to the table, how the Rams might use him. Really excited about this acquisition. Allen Robinson, the Rams' new wide receiver. Well, you all know how much we love rankings and lists on this podcast, and I got another one for you. I'm going to give you my NFL coaching rankings. Now, I'm not going to rank every coach, 32, all the way up to number one. I will give you my top 10 coaches at the end, but before we get to that, I'm going to categorize the other 22 coaches in four groups. It'll all make sense to you as we walk through this. The bottom group, I'm calling the Y group. I got four coaches here. And by why, I mean, why are these guys still coaching in the NFL? Are they one of the top 32 football coaches on the planet? And if they are, are they the right coach for this team? I'm going to start with Doug Peterson of the Jacksonville Jags, had a lot of success with the Eagles, left under some awkward circumstances, and now he's back coaching the Jags, trying to get them pointed in the right direction after that disaster with Urban Meyer. I don't know, he's obviously qualified to be an NFL coach, but I don't see that as a very bold move by the Jags. Kind of a safe bet. Maybe get that team turned around and then they'll move on to someone else. We'll see. Another one. Similar category, Lovey Smith. The new coach of the Houston Texans. A true gray beard, literally and figuratively. Had a good run with the Rams. A not-so-good run with the Bears. I'm just not excited about this hire. Again, he could be the coach to get the Texans turned around. He needs a stable, reliable, respected coach with that franchise right now. But again, not very bold. And the New Orleans Saints hiring Dennis Allen. I thought this was really weird. An 8-28 coaching record. The Saints are a good football team. They're not looking for a stabilizing force. They're looking for a dynamic coach to move them forward on the trajectory that they were already on. Let's get to the playoffs. Let's maybe even get to a Super Bowl. I mean, they're probably not there this year, but I don't think they're going to get there anytime soon with Dennis Allen, in my opinion. And the last one in this group, Mike McCarthy of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Again, much like Lovey Smith, he has the pedigree. But the Cowboys are a very dynamic football team. They got some real talent on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think Jerry Jones wants a young, dynamic coach. He wants an old-school guy that will hopefully lead this team to the playoffs and beyond. But Jerry wants the credit. Jerry wants to be the point man. Jerry wants the spotlight. And Mike McCarthy... Even if he wins big, it's not going to steal the spotlight from Jerry Jones. That's my opinion. I have six coaches in this next category. I'm calling this my good but whatever category. These guys are all right, but again, not too excited about them. They could be the guys to get the job done, but I have my doubts. At the bottom of this list is the Atlanta Falcons' Arthur Smith. Just another coach, whatever. Tampa Bay Buccaneers hiring Todd Bowles in his 26-41 and 41 record. I think the thought process there is we need someone to show up in the morning and start the engine. Tom Brady, Brian Leftwich, and that defense will show up and do the rest. But still, not a very bold move. Good coach, but whatever. The Chicago Bears hiring Matt Eberfluss. The Bears have to hire a defensive coach. It's like a tradition there, I guess. Sure, he's a decent coach, but whatever. Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule. He's running out of time there. The clock's ticking. Decent coach. I like the hire at the time, but going nowhere fast. The Detroit Lions, one of my favorite personalities in the league, Dan Campbell. Love that personality, that fire, the emotion, the edge. That wears players out. Typically, ask Jim Harbaugh in the Niners. Gets old real fast. But I think he has a chance to win some games with the Lions this year. We'll see how that goes. And Ron Rivera, the coach of the Washington Commanders. I love Ron Rivera, actually. One of my favorite coaches. I just don't think it's a great situation Moving forward in the modern NFL, a guy like Ron River, good coach, but whatever. I got six coaches in what I'm calling my lots to like, but lots to prove category. These are all coaches that haven't had a lot of time yet. Several of them first year actually at the helm, but they all look very promising. The Dolphins, Mike McDaniel, the Broncos, Nathaniel Hackett, the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, the Jets' Robert Sala, and the Eagles' Nick Sirianni. And also Brian Dable of the Giants. I originally had him in the good-but-whatever category. My special assistant chimed in and said, no, he's a good coach, and he certainly has a good pedigree. He's He's coached with several NFL teams, mostly on the offensive side as a coordinator, and also one year with the Crimson Tide. So lots of promise there, that's for sure. No reason to doubt that they will have success. Just need time, just need patient owners. And then in the next group, I got six guys in the something left to prove still group. The difference between this group and the previous group, these are all guys that there's very little doubt, really, that they can get it done at the NFL level. And most of them have already to some degree. But in my mind, there's still a little sliver of doubt about whether they are a top-notch NFL coach. The Raiders' Josh McDaniel, there's no doubt about his credentials as far as designing offenses. He's done it with the Patriots for years. His first run as a head coach with the Broncos started out great and then faltered. Now he gets another shot. Has he learned from his mistakes? He says he has. I'd be excited if he was my coach, but he has something to prove, as does Kevin Stefanski. Things started out good for him. He's just had too much drama to deal with. I think he's a good coach, right? Now, he's going to have to prove it real quick with Deshaun Watson leading this team instead of Baker Mayfield. We're going to find out real fast if he's going to stay on this list could go either way for Stefanski at this point. Could prove himself to be a top 10 coach. Or could go in the other direction and we'll find him on that whatever list. Next up on this list, Brandon Staley. As Ram fans, we know what kind of coach he is on the defensive side of the ball. Leading the team last year's first year. Hey, I kind of liked the way he ran things. And I liked a lot of his bold moves, his risky moves. He criticized for a lot of them unfairly, I think. He has something to prove, though. That Charger team could be very good in a really tough division, so it's going to be tough to assess Staley, as well as Josh McDaniel and Nathaniel Hackett, we already mentioned, because it's a tough division. You know, 8-9 may be quite an accomplishment as things play out. Next up, the Cardinals' Cliff Kingsbury again. First half of the season, he's a top five coach. Second half of the season, bottom 10. So he needs to figure that out. And the Colts, Frank Reich, ever since Andrew Luck left. Good teams, but just not good enough. Love him as a coach, though. He's got to get this team to the playoffs and make a run. He's been in a weak division, so he definitely has something left to prove. And you know who else I have in this something to prove? category is the Bengals' Zach Taylor. And the thing with Zach is, got to give him credit, hey, he got to a Super Bowl. But he's going to be tied at the hip with Joe Burrow for a while now, it appears. So I'm not sure how great of a coach he really is. And I'm not sure how he's going to prove it. How are we going to find out if Zach Taylor's a great coach or not when he has Joe Burrow to lean on? That's how we're going to characterize it. Left to see. I think Zach Taylor has a little left to prove. I just don't know how he's going to do it. And that leads us to our top 10 coaches. Now, I ran this by my special assistant, and he really had an issue with my six through 10 coaches. He was not happy, not in agreement. But I reviewed it, and you know what? I'm going to stand by it. I didn't make any changes. You can argue this in a bar for three hours over a bunch of beers, and you're probably going to get very little agreement on it. So I just took my best shot for better or worse. Here we go. Number 10, Kyle Shanahan. I think most teams would be happy to have Kyle Shanahan leading their team. However, he does have a 39-42 and 42 record, a 4-2 and 2 record in the playoffs, though, and a Super Bowl appearance. I think it's fair to have him in the top 10. I think it's also fair to have him at number 10. Number nine, Sean McDermott of the Bills, 38-26, and 3-4 and four in the playoffs. Very similar to Frank Reich in that he's proven himself, but this team needs to get to a Super Bowl, and they should do it this year. Next couple years, or Sean McDermott's ranking is going to slip here. Sean McDermott, my number nine coach in the NFL. Number eight, Matt LaFleur. Now, he's been tied at the hip with Aaron Rodgers, just like Zach Taylor has with Joe Burrow, but Lafleur has led this team for a few years now, two and three in the playoffs. He's got to get to a Super Bowl, and I don't think that's going to happen, to be honest with you, but still, I don't think there's a team in the league that would be disappointed having him as their head coach. Number seven, Mike Vrabel, the Tennessee Titans. Not a fan of their style of football, but you got to give him credit they find ways to be competitive. They find ways to win games. 41 and 24, 2 and 3 in the playoffs. Now they're in a weak division, a division that's been weak over the last few years, but still, got to give Rabel credit. He has established himself as one of the best in the NFL. And number six, a lot of you are going to hate me for this, but I got Pete Carroll at number six. Hey, this guy it has a 152 and 104 record, 11 and 10 in the playoffs, 1 and 1 in Super Bowls. And the thing about Carroll is a lot of people don't like his style. He rubs a lot of people wrong. His behavior on the sidelines, his gum chewing, and all oh, that. Something about him it annoys people, and it annoys me, but give the guy credit. I have felt the Seahawks have outperformed expectations. For many years, they have played better than their roster would lead you to believe, except for last year, of course. What we saw last year from the Seahawks is what I have been expecting for several years, and I think a lot of that success, the unexpected success, the overachievement of that roster is due to Pete Carroll. And yeah, Russell Wilson had a lot to do with it, too. Give Pete Carroll credit, though. Number five, the Baltimore Ravens' John Harbaugh, 11-8 in playoffs with a Super Bowl win. Hard-nosed, old-school coach. He's made it work in Baltimore, though. They're always good. And number four, probably going to be surprised he's this low, Andy Reid of the Chiefs. 233 regular season wins, 19 and 16 in the playoffs. This is with the Eagles and Chiefs, 1 and 2 in Super Bowls. The only reason Reed is a little bit lower than you might expect is I think his teams have actually underperformed recently, and I think he maybe is slipping a little bit from what we saw last year, especially in the playoffs. I'm not even sure I'd want him as my head coach at this point, but most of us would probably take him push came to shove. Andy Reid, my number four coach. Number three, Mike Tomlin. This is another guy. Put him on a sideline. Your team's going to compete and have a good chance of winning any game. It's just the way it is with Mike Tomlin. 154-85 and 85 regular season record. 8-9 in the playoffs. 1-1 one and one in Super Bowls. The thing about Tomlin, though, he hasn't been back to the Super Bowl since 2010. But still, I'll take Mike Tomlin on the sideline over most any coach in the NFL, except maybe these top two. Number two, Sean McVay, 55-26 and 26 record. He's built such a culture and a very unique culture, but the players love it. Football is fun. Football's about building a team and winning football games, but enjoying Every moment of it. He's already 1-1 in Super Bowls. And he has something in common with the number one coach on this list. Can't argue with Bill Belichick, right? 284 regular season wins, 31 and 13 in the playoffs, 6-3 in Super Bowls. And that's the thing Belichick and McVeigh have in common that really separates them from everybody else. McVay has 70% winning percentage in the playoffs. Belichick, just a hair over 70%. That's incredible. You know, you're playing teams, good teams, that are bringing their best, and you're winning 70% of the time in those situations in the playoffs. That, That is crazy good. So Belichick, number one, McVay, number two. The difference between these two is the cultural side of it. The Patriot way and the Ram way are polar opposites. Take your pick. I'll take the Rams culture over the Patriot culture any day of the week if I'm a player. Take that, Teddy Bruschi. Yes, Patriot fans and retired Patriot players. There is more than one way to win. You can come to practice and have fun and get to the Super Bowl and win it. But Belichick, number one, McVeigh, number two. And, you know, the only way McVeigh is going to knock Belichick off that number one spot is if he gets back to another Super Bowl like now and Belichick misses the playoffs again. If that happens, I'm gonna pop McVeigh to number one. But you look at that six and three record in the Super Bowl, you know you put Belichick on any sideline. He's gonna figure something out. Good chance he's gonna be able to figure out a way to beat you. Now it doesn't always work. The Bills just pummeled them in the playoffs last year, which is really surprising. Maybe that's a sign if Belichick is starting to falter a little bit. That was really surprising that that game would go that badly. That doesn't happen to Bill Belichick coach teams very often, but you got to give them the benefit of the doubt for one playoff game. Right now, Belichick's still number one, Sean McVay number two. So that's my off-season NFL coaching rankings. I guess we'll have to wait another year to do this again. That's gonna do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at LARAMSUP.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Humma